0: This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Weiner. The official COVID emergency is ending. Next week, California, the biggest and bluest state, will end its emergency, and at the end of next month, the federal law allowing people to stay on Medicaid will expire. The last day of the federal emergency COVID funding will be May 11th. Is this really a good idea? For comment, we turn to Greg Gonsalves. He works on epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. He's been an AIDS activist for 30 years, and he writes regularly for The Nation About the Pandemic. He's also a 2018 MacArthur Fellow. Greg, welcome back.
1: Hi, John, glad to be here.
0: You've said numbers don't lie, I looked up the numbers. COVID remains the number three cause of death in the United States, exceeded only by heart disease and cancer. About 3,000 people die of COVID in the United States every week. The weekly total for new cases last week was about 260,000. At the beginning of the pandemic, you criticized the government, of course, headed by Trump at that time, for not taking action during a health crisis. Now you have a new criticism
1: when President Biden got elected or, or when he campaigned for the for the job, he said "I'd follow the science and implication was that he was going to be different than President Trump in his response to the pandemic and all signs were good for the first few months, but I think there was a political imperative which overrode sort of common sense about public health, and that um, people were tired already as he began his term uh, of all the restrictions and all the sort of claims being made on them and he decided to turn the corner not that the virus was cooperating but he decided it was time to put covid behind us and so by the summer of 2021 you know he talked about our independence from covid for for July 2021 and you know by the end of 2021 into 2022 really all they could talk about was it being a pandemic of the unvaccinated and there was really little talk of masks or ventilation or a whole host of other things we might do to keep ourselves safe. Um, it was all about your personal choice to get vaccinated. And if you didn't do it, you're, you're almost a bad American. But the virus hasn't cooperated. Um, as you've described, the The, the death toll in the United States has been consistently um, about 400, 500 deaths per day over the past few weeks, meaning we have a 9-11 every, every week or so. Um, And so we are in a situation where nobody really cares about the pandemic, including the folks in the White House, yet death and suffering persist.
0: The rationale officially given for ending the federal COVID emergency by Biden's National COVID Response Coordinator was that we are, quote, in a better place, and that we, quote, are getting through the winter without a big surge, and that, quote, We have the tools to manage this crisis, close quote. I think you agree that we have the tools. Vaccines, Paxlova, the tools aren't the problem.
1: Well, first of all, Dr. Jha has a very short memory, because if you remember around Christmas time, we were talking about the triple-demic of RSV, flu, and and COVID, and our emergency rooms and our hospitals were sagging under the weight of of three three diseases— that we're, we're sending people to the hospitals and droves. We still have um, hospital capacity issues going into January. So the idea that we didn't see a surge is not true. Did we see a surge of the, the kind we saw the winter before when Omicron hit? Of course we didn't. But to say there was not a pileup in hospitals in the end of 2022 going into 2023 is, is incorrect. We do have the tools. We have vaccines, we have Paxlovid and other treatments. We have tests to, to, to tell if you're infected with the virus. but you know we don't have equitable access to it. First of all, we have very low booster rates in the United States. Um, we already know that access to pax Livid, uh, is not what anybody wants, including the administration. Um, and it's getting harder and harder to reach those tools. You know if you have the resources and you have health insurance in particular, you know you're you're pretty well set up to get what you need. But again, Many, many people have said vaccine-only approaches are not sufficient to control the pandemic. Even as late as November of last year, a group in Nature magazine, which is no sort of partisan outlet, it's one of the leading scientific magazines in the world, published a consensus statement from around 400 scientists, clinicians, and public health experts saying, you know what, you need a comprehensive approach to the virus that combines all the things we've been talking about non-pharmaceutical interventions, environmental controls like changing ventilation in in buildings and in public transportation, in addition to vaccines, tests and treatment. But everybody is basically saying, if you can afford to get your, your shot, If you can afford to to figure out how to get COVID and you can get tested and you can afford to stay home when you're sick, maybe you'll weather the storm, but that's not even true. We know that long COVID, even if some of the estimates are overstated, still is going to affect millions and millions of Americans, which both has economic costs and physical costs for people in terms of long-term disability that are going to persist into the years ahead.
0: Let's go back a step. The first declaration of a national COVID emergency came in March 2000, two months after Biden took office, what did it mean to declare a COVID emergency and how adequate was that initial declaration of Biden's?
1: The COVID emergency allowed the government to do certain things. Um, One is it allowed regulatory flexibility and access to Medicare and Medicaid for millions of Americans. It allowed us to approve vaccines and other interventions on emergency use authorizations. It it put into place provisions for telehealth, um, for people who couldn't simply get to see a doctor, even if they had the ability to to pay for it. Um, And so there were a whole bunch of regulatory flexibilities put into place at the beginning of the pandemic, which will now get lifted uh, in May when when the pandemic
0: emergency ends. Also in the beginning, all 50 states issued their own COVID emergency declarations. But of course, in the red states where Republicans rule, those emergency declarations were allowed to expire. For example, Florida let its expire in June 2021. Since then, the death rate from COVID in Florida has been double that of California, where the emergency is still in effect. So I guess that state policies, as well as federal, were critical to keeping people alive or letting them die of COVID.
1: Well, I have no love for Governor DeSantis, but let's talk about Governor Hochul in New York State who lifted the mask mandate in healthcare facilities last week or two weeks ago. Eric Adams, who's the mayor of New York City, one of the bluest cities you can get, lifting the vaccine requirement for, for workers, city workers, um, including public, public-facing professions like education and healthcare. And so, you know, while some of the red states might have led the way in sort of dropping provisions to to protect their their citizens and residents from from COVID-19, blue states have sort of followed the lemmings off the cliff in terms of backing away from pandemic protections, even as we speak.
0: Your article for The Nation highlights another feature that I didn't know about, and I think most people don't know about. At the end of March, states will kick people off Medicaid Do we know how many people this is going to be and and what will happen to them and their health coverage? What's interesting is that not tied to the the end of the
1: public health emergency, in the final budget reconciliation package at the end of last year, the House leader, Nancy Pelosi, the majority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, along with the White House, decided to to rescind, as of March, this ability to let people be continuously enrolled in Medicaid. Under the emergency provisions um, that were established earlier early in the pandemic, Kaiser Family Foundation is fantastic because they have a lot of briefs on their website um, at kff.org about what happens when when the public health emergency ends. And when the continuous enrollment provision Medicaid ends, they were saying several million people are, are going to lose their uh, access to Medicaid. And what's interesting is, is in, in other studies, when people lose access to Medicaid, it isn't that they, they jump onto some other form of insurance. They end up being uninsured for, for a, a year or so. And so what we're seeing is that we're going to see the end of the public health emergency, which has made it much easier to get test treatments, vaccines through Medicare and Medicaid. The entire sort of package of emergency provisions, including the continuous enrollment in, in Medicaid, has put millions of people on into the health insurance world. Fairly a third of Americans were covered by Medicaid over the past three years. We're not going to have the federal government paying for for certain parts of of our toolbox of, of interventions for for COVID nineteen under these new this brave new world after the pan, pandemic health emergency, and um, and for those who had insurance, um, they're unlikely to. To, to find ways to get, get insured over the over the next few weeks and months as they scramble to figure out an alternative to their Medicaid enrollment as states can now sort of boot them off even as, as early as next month.
0: California has a, has a better situation than nationally. The state recently passed at least two laws. One forces insurers to keep covering COVID care, Paxlovid mostly, even after the state and and federal emergency orders expire. And a second new state law in California requires insurers to keep reimbursing members' costs for up to eight over-the-counter COVID tests per month. And this has an expiration date of November 11th. So there's, you know, six more months to go in California of free test kits, and requiring insurance companies to cover uh, COVID care.
1: And if you're in California, you're you're in good shape. But how many of those states are going to follow through with sort of new provisions to lock in um, easier access to these interventions uh, once the public health emergency ends? And also remember what's important to say is that these tools, vaccines, Paxlovid and other treatments and tests, are not everything we need to keep ourselves safe. I had COVID once Late in 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 2022, I do not want it again. Um, the risk of of long COVID, notwithstanding, it, it's a disruption to our lives. It's a disruption to those we love and those who may be high risk in our in our families and friendship networks. And so, even what in what California is, is is doing, and 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 it should be praised, the climate of risk out there right now with mask mandates lifting. You know, we need to upgrade ventilation in our buildings and in in public transportation. None of it's really happening. Um, and so as we're seeing the public health emergency evaporate, the Medicaid provision evaporating next month, we've also seen sort of all these things undergirding our, our protection from risk sort of evaporating one by one as red states, blue states, all states sort of drop mask mandates, vaccine mandates, et cetera, uh, creating much more risk out there for the long-term.
0: And then there's Moderna and Pfizer, producers of the, the good vaccines. What's, what are they going to do with the end of the federal emergency?
1: Well, it's interesting because um, when I wrote the article for The Nation, you know, both of them had said, gee, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. We're going to (laughs) increase the price of the vaccine by 400%, price gouging for our times. The interesting thing is Moderna, of course, had billions of dollars from the U.S. government to help develop that vaccine. So it's your your vaccine and my vaccine, along with Moderna's. And, um, you know, the White House has been hemming and hawing, but really did did nothing to sort of pressure Moderna to, to, or Pfizer to do anything different. Moderna has, has said, oh, you know, we're going to, I think recently it said, you know, we'll continue to supply things at cost, you know, for those who need it, et cetera. Um, the, the point is, is that what were they even thinking? You know, <laughs> what were they even thinking to, to boost prices by 400% when it's already an expensive vaccine to begin with? It really takes a lot of chutzpah to raise the price by 400% in the middle of a pandemic, just as public protections and public support and subsidies for these tools are, 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 are evaporating into thin air.
0: And just for a minute, we'd like to talk about the situation outside the United States. How does the death rate in the United States, even with the federal mandate in effect, compare with other advanced countries? And what about the countries that aren't so advanced?
1: COVID is the number three leading cause of death worldwide. It's still incredibly, incredibly deadly around the world. We have millions of cases, millions of deaths. In terms of excess deaths per capita and COVID mortality per capita, the U.S. is up at the top of the leaderboard with its G7 peers. So we do terribly, even with the tools that Dr. Jha says we have at our disposal, even under the protest that things are a lot better than they were. We're still having among the most deadly epidemics still into year four of this pandemic. When you look at the rest of the world, you know, we have vast numbers of people, billions of people who are unvaccinated around the world. And we see excess deaths and COVID mortality reaching those places as well. What's interesting is that um, it's hard to tell because of COVID reporting what's going on in many different places, but it doesn't seem like rich countries like the U.S., uh, middle income countries like Brazil, you know, more advanced upper middle and countries like China are being protected by the virtue of vaccination. We're seeing you know, excess mortality persist, COVID mortality persist into year four, just as sort of people's interest and political will has evaporated to, to combat this pandemic.
0: Greg Gonsalves, you can read his article, Biden's ending of the COVID emergency is a public health disaster at thenation.com. Greg, thanks for talking with us today.
1: I always love talking with you, John.